It's another Monday and we're here with another powerful episode of Good Gas Mondays with me, Crystal Tomlinson. Now, we do what we do because we know you need it. I need it. That good energy to help us change our minds about our limitations. That strong, positive conversation to shift our lens from lack to abundance. And the hard science sometimes to understand our emotions and lead emotionally healthy lives. I'm here with a fantastic woman who has a story that's going to inspire and empower you. Her name is Roseanne Reed and she goes by the moniker, the dream monetizer. Roseanne, thank you so much for being a guest on Good Gas Mondays. It is my pleasure to have you with, with me. I went through your website and got like a taste of your story, but we do want to delve in and just take a big bite out of that powerful life example that you have. Roseanne, welcome to Good Gas Mondays. Crystal, thank you so very much for having me on Good Guest Mondays. This is an absolute honor and a dream come true. Yes. <laughs> yes. I like it. I like it. Yes. So I'm very honored that I'll be able to share my story today with um, your audience and actually help lives to change because I believe it's with us sharing our stories that we're going to be able to transform the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Nothing more powerful that story told. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how many of us have have stories and don't think it's powerful. Yeah. But every story has its own bit of power in there. Mm -hmm. So let's start at the beginning for the dream monetizer. When you were a youngster, just coming into knowledge and concept of yourself, what was your dream as a little girl growing up? My dream as a little girl was to travel the world. I love to travel. I just mm -hmm. I just love the idea. My first trip was at 10 to Barbados, which is where my mother is from. Um, and then also, because I was abused as a child, I always wanted to be able to write books mm. and to be able to transform other people's lives, to bring that positive light that I did not have, that positive energy that I did not have. So that was my dream. I always wanted to own a business because my father had a business and I loved it and I always wanted to do that. So I'm actually living the dream right now. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Now for the listener who might be wondering, who is Roseanne? You know, where Roseanne come from? What does Roseanne do? I have your bio, but I would like for you to tell me in your own words who you are. How would you describe you? Okay, so Roseanne is your typical Jamaican girl. I'm a Potter's daughter, born and raised in Kingston, St. Andrew. Um, right now, what I do is business consultancy. Basically, my mission is to help other persons to design their purpose, sorry, design mm -hmm. their purpose, define and design their purpose, right? Um, and birth and monetize those dreams because so often we allow life situations to cause us to bury them. We let fear take control of our lives instead of moving out and up into who we are called to be. So right now, I'm a mother of three, I'm married. I am also in ministry. I lead a youth group at church um, and a women's group as well. Very active in youth and women's empowerment. And I also do business consultancy, life coaching, motivational speaking, conferences, seminars. I have an international radio show where we feature global wealth building entrepreneurs of African descent across Ooh. the world. Um, using business as a wealth building tool to fix the social anomalies that we have in the world. So my mission professionally with 18 years of international business management experience is to help other persons to develop businesses that will create social change, mm -hmm. right? Wherever they are in the world. So if we're in Jamaica, we'll show you how to set up a global business that can reach the USA 
Philippines or wherever, depending on what your market is. So that's basically what I'm doing now and continuing to grow on that. Okay, so let's let's talk now on the emotional landscape because that's what mm -hmm. our program is for. It's for people who have difficulty managing negative emotions because some of us guilt trip ourselves into thinking if you're angry, you're doing something wrong and if you're sad, you're doing mm -hmm. something wrong and if you're anxious, you're doing something wrong. But to understand that even your negative emotions have a role to play yeah. in your health. So we talk a lot about emotions here. I want you to take us back to your, your teenage and preteen years. What was the biggest negative emotion that you were handling? Because you did mention the experience with abuse. Mm -hmm. What was your biggest negative emotion at that stage? What caused it? And then how did you deal with it? My biggest negative emotion was an extremely low self-esteem, extremely low self-esteem because all I was hearing, because see from the time I was six, I was manifesting certain gifts like whatever I dream happens, I would speak things and they happen, which they call prophecy, but the church that I was in didn't believe in it. My father decided that I was mentally ill like my grandmother and so he was going to beat that out of me. His form of punishment was folding me in a fetal position and locking me in a cupboard with a key, you know, wardrobe. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know them thing there? Wow. And the bottom half of the wardrobe was my punishment spot. So in order to hold in there, from the ages of 6 to 14, I had to fold myself in a fetal position and be locked in there with a key. So, and for people who don't know what fetal position is, you curl up into like, a little ball as, as right. closed as you can become. Like a baby look in your womb. And you'd stay in that cupboard for... Until he might tell him 30 to let him minutes to an hour, depending on how mad he was or how angry he was. And what would stimulate his behavior? Is it that you would say you dream something, you, you talk back? What is it that would have? Me crying firstly to anything that he thought was my being disobedient mm -hmm. to his authority. Um, in, it typically wasn't literally like saying I dream something, right? But because it wouldn't, he wouldn't always make it look like that. He would make it look like it's something else that I did wrong. Mm -hmm. But then he would say, you just jump into conclusions and dreams is foolishness and is mad and mad and stuff like that. So it, at that time, it was a, it, anything could trigger him because he was just completely, what you would call, <laughs> neurotic, mm -hmm. right? So anything could trigger him. Um, I had a sweet tooth, and if I asked for one as a child, a little bit, you know, like six, seven, eight, I never got it, I would cry. Mm -hmm. And his way of punishing me to understand something, not to eat sweetie, is to punish me in the cupboard. Or he would say something to me, and if I didn't answer him the way he thought I should, that's another cupboard punishment, right? Whatever it is that, you know, as a parent, like your child does something wrong, and you say, no, that's not the way you feel it, cupboard punishment. But it was all depended on how angry he was. Ah. Um, so that emotion led me to being very, very, um, I want to say, depressed, but not just depressed, but just so blue. Um, negative, I always thought negative about myself because he always told me I was worthless. And that if I thought, because I wanted to leave from even at those young ages to run away, if I thought I could leave and make my life any better, big men would beat me like my aunt. So there was fear. So your, your aunt was going through an abusive relationship that you could observe? Yeah, no, no, no. This was when, this would have happened before me, ah. which is what he witnessed being done to his sister oh. in their early 20s or something like that, right? So um, this is what he would tell me to drive fear into me. So in order, okay, a typical child will run up and down and play and have fun and play with the dollies or the trucks or whatever. As a child, I wasn't free to do what I wanted because of fear that I don't know what that 
reaction or what that action what kind of reaction that action is gonna bring from your father right one of the things i used to love to do was play piano i started learning to play the piano at an early age he would say that i played too loudly right so you see that in the book um and so it's like everything i did i love to read and of course those days in the early teens i would read mills and loons and svu and them something there because i liked romantic stuff and he would confiscate them any type of books that I got, he would confiscate them. I remember him having a running with my English teacher because I would get A on my compositions mm -hmm. and the grades started to drop to B and B minus and the English teacher's like, what's going on? And he's like, well, and I, I told him, I said, the books were confiscated. And so the English teacher says, well, you can't confiscate them from her just like that because that is her outlet because reading was my escape. Right, that was why I said you know I wanted to be an author and do the books because reading was the escape. And the English teacher was like, No, you can't stop. And he and my dad had an argument about it in the schoolyard, and we'll never forget. Right? Because and English teacher is saying she needs her books, and daddy is saying she can't get good grades without reading books. Yeah, because the books are evil. Ah, get what it? was his denomination or his spiritual perspective? Why they're called brethren, which is kind of like they're a cult sect. So they are, you know, like the Amish. Mm -hmm. They operate in a closed environment. There's one man who is the leader. Everybody listens to that leader. So just like how God can give you a revelation for Crystal and Crystal's family, um, God can give me a revelation, right? They believe that God doesn't give any revelation to anybody other than that one man, and everybody listens to that one man. So they're Christian, they call themselves, right? But they're closed off from the rest of the world. They separate themselves. They believe that they're like some kind of elitist, like they are the chosen ones better than all other religions and people that are out there. Okay. So that is So that, that informed his perspective on even the types of books that you were allowed to read. Right, right. And then most that I realized when I became an adult and started coaching and, you know, focusing on learning about the things that happened, I realized that the culture of the church, um nurtured his attitude towards me my mother and you know us as children because guess what the church have this kind of secret thing if you have a problem you don't talk and it's a problem where i'm committed to speaking out now is that our society if we have a problem we don't speak out yeah. right and so the church is the same thing if they have a problem don't make nobody know him or beat you yeah don't make nobody knows him or abuse you you can't make nobody know that him rape you just go on like nothing to happen and, and pray about it and especially mm -hmm. that pray about it and leave it and god will fix it god now fix nothing so you'd have to it have to, have to go through it. a process right we have to acknowledge who the abusers are what they did let them come to terms with their actions and so i realized that a lot of what he went through was based on a culture right and i realized that he didn't know better and i remember my mother saying to me the man that you know now as your father is not the man i married he was brainwashed and he was basically told that being loving and caring something was wrong with it so going back to your major question as a child, I just found myself in this mode. I was like, what's wrong with me? Because it's like everything I do is a problem. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I keep having these dreams. I keep having these visions. And life is calling me to do something else. But at the same time, they're telling me what life is calling me to do is a different thing. Right? So I'm like confused. Like, where do I fit in? 
in this world. So, so your, your voice is loud enough for you to hear it, but there's a fear you have of listening and allowing that voice to lead you As because child, you don't yeah. know what that is going to do or mm-hmm. what people are going to think, what people are going to say. Mm-hmm. At what point did you stop caring about the criticism and the opinions and even the punishment and reprimand? When did that become not enough to silence you? That was at 17. Um, I had a mild nervous breakdown at 17, which became the catalyst for me becoming who I am today. Um, that my breakdown was after two near-death experiences, one at 12, at 14, was when he tried to shake me because I couldn't fit in the cupboard anymore and he was so angry, so he literally shook me till my neck snapped. Um, the neighbor who climbed the fence, which people, this is why we need to speak out mm-hmm. when we know something is wrong. She heard my screams and climbed the fence. And that's what saved my life at 14. Then at 17, he took me to a doctor because he was not okay. Convinced that she mad because she's still having the dreams, right? The doctor says, nothing is wrong with her. It's the church that you have her in. There's nothing medically wrong with her. Let her listen to some music and let her read the books and whatever. And he's like, she's crazy because she can't tell us that something is wrong with this church. He goes to my grandmother's house, goes to my aunt, gets her Valium pills. Comes home, forces me up against a wall, squeezes my throat pushes the Valium pills in, has my mother standing right there with a glass of water and says, when I push her throat and put the pills in, you throw the water down so she can't spit them out. So if I tried to do anything else, what would happen is that I would probably suffocate if I never saw it. Mm-hmm. No, he did that. And of course, when I couldn't throw the pills, I threw them out. But when I couldn't, I just started to swallow them. So they made me crazy. Meaning like woozy and sleepy, sleepy, but nothing was really wrong with me. Then at 17, I remember falling asleep on my knees because I said, if he stopped everything that I was doing, since we are Christians and I read the Bible, I decided, okay, block off everything. So let me just read the Bible because my baby, this is the only thing we can do. Let me see if there's a way out. Seeing all the miracles in the Bible, I decided, okay, if all of these miracles happen, then there can be a miracle for me to get out of this. I don't know how, but I will believe in this miracle and I will continue to pray until it happens. I f- would fall asleep on my knees like 10 o'clock, wake up 2 o'clock on my because I'd been crying and praying and crying and praying. And eventually one day he's like, God not going to listen to you because you know, be a parent, so God not going to listen to you. So all the prayer where you pray not going to wear. I lost it. That was when I had the mad breakdown because I was like, okay, so if there's no way out, my husband be just dead. And then I started plotting out all the different suicidal ways that I would kill myself because then life don't make no sense anymore. Um, they took me to a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist said to me, who is your father to say that God is not going to listen to you? Is he God? And that's what got me thinking. And he said to them, what she had was an extremely mild breakdown. There's years of stress, depression, trauma bottled up inside her it has no escape route and nowhere to go and if it didn't come out as the breakdown it would have come out as a tumor cancer heart attack or something fatal where she could have died something terminal and so this is one of the ways that it chose to come out of her body it would have manifested in something else and you wouldn't even know that this is what caused it and so the doctor says to them, she can live a perfectly normal life. Just go home and let her live a normal life. He, of course, gave me an injection and antidepressants and stuff. And then he started to question me. And when I heard the doctor say that, I said, oh, no, no, really wrong with me for true. 
because they were making it look like I was mad and I said nothing is wrong. That became the turning point and then I started back reading. Found the Observer, an article was in there on Ian Levant and coming to Otorios to do a seminar. Of course, I was in the Colsec church, so you can't do nothing outside of the church, right? We got school in the church, you socialize in the church. I couldn't talk to you because it's a sin. To okay? talk to anybody who's outside anybody of the church. Anybody who's outside of the church. And so, they even take their children out of the schools because I used to go to Ligani Prep up the road, but they take us out of school, right? And so, um, at that time, when I read the article, I was like, Jesus, I need to go to this seminar. When I hear what she was talking to the woman about, I need to go, but I can't go because of the church. If the time that I would be away, because it was a weekend, it's not going to work, right? Um, and so I read the article and something in it just pulled up my heart. And I was like, something about this woman. I realized that she wrote books and the books were in Kingston Bookshop. So I went. At that time, I had my driver's license. I got by the books and started to read um, Acts of Faith until today living through the meantime or whatever and then that's what actually took me on the journey to understand at first some of the things that she said i was like crazy because like she was telling you um i was like saying no yeah i'm not crazy because she's saying whatever is happening to you is as a result of your decisions and your actions and i'm like this lady must say much no, no, yeah no, not me like, father. of course yeah. and, and i never wantingly did do anything or did anything that would warrant you mm -hmm. to punish me or abuse me like that because I'm just a child, right? Um, so when I'm reading this now, and then when I'm reading the books, I started to go deeper into it, and then that's when I discovered my purpose and what I was really called to do in the earth, and that was the transformation. And then I decided, okay, I mean, I said nothing to them, but nobody not going to control me anymore. And then I started just focusing on building back my life from where I was, because of course now, my sister had spread my name over the entire church, called me mad, because everything that my dad said, they believed it as well. And so it's like everybody in the church was like, kind of like looking at me weird and crazy. Even to this day, if they see me and I tell them, you know, say, yeah, if I tell them, say, you know, some my dream, see you last night, everything, all right. And be like, here, there, she talking about dreams still, she really still mad. So they don't realize the purpose that it has because. Trust me, the dreams have helped me, and other people who they have, they have come in, come to, mm -hmm. you understand, very well. But anyways, so saying this to say, that was the point at which I turned around. At age 17, mm -hmm. Ian Lavanda offered you a, a catalyst moment then. Mm -hmm. She was the vessel through which God channeled the, the breakthrough, but it had to happen mentally first. So it's, mm -hmm. it's amazing, because we read a lot of these things about how we have to change our minds, mm -hmm. change our minds about ourselves, mm -hmm. change our minds about our potential, change our minds about the things we have a right to mm -hmm. in this life. And here you came to that change mind moment by having perspective from somebody else, somebody you don't know, somebody in a different cultural experience altogether. Mm -hmm. And their words were enough to help you change your mind. How have you then, from age 17 to where you are now, been able to be that voice for somebody else? That's a gift you received right. to get your catalyst. How mm -hmm. have you been able to give that gift back emotionally mm -hmm. to other people? Okay, so what I have decided to do is to not remain silent on issues where I have the ability to create change or even to instigate change. Um, and so I've decided that my life will be about using my story to be the change maker for others. Mm -hmm. So. I wrote a book from Painted Purpose to Exodus, which actually has some of the story that I shared with you here. 
um, and that book now is available on Amazon all over the world. Women started reaching out to me saying, how can we do what you do? We have been molested, we have been raped, all of this as well, right? How can we do the same thing? And so I turned that into an international women's empowerment conference. Um, every avenue I get, Facebook lives, Instagram lives, YouTube, mm -hmm. whatever, I speak on the issues. I invite other speakers who have been through these abusive issues and overcome them. Not people who are going through them. Those people who have overcome, overcome them. them, right? And understand what needs to happen as a society. So I've decided, I realized, I actually did some study into what happens to us as Africans and realized that a lot of what we're suffering is as a result of slavery trauma that's been passed on from generation to generation so now i decide that whatever i do whether it be business whether it be something spiritual professional my kids we are all enlightened and i will enlighten everybody within my power about the changes that we need to make mentally emotionally what needs to affect our decision making mm -hmm. so that we can really have a change life and a change world and not just pretend I've realized that, especially as somebody who is in church that ministers, right, and looking at a lot of leaders, I realized that we have, because of pride, we don't want to talk about what we went through. Um, it's okay to act like, oh, I'm Mrs. Reed, and everything is perfect, but everything is not. I'm having hell. And so this thing where we just put on this facade and put on makeup and dress up and look pretty and come out and look good and say, oh, that's it. I'm done with that. Okay, so now I will speak out without fear. Even if you try to drive fear into me, without fear. That's not an option because if I don't speak out, that lady who climbed the fence and saved my life, if she didn't do that and bang on the window and call my father's name and tell him to stop, you can't be doing the child like that, I wouldn't be here today. And so if I don't speak out, there is children, there is marriages, there's women are being killed in our society as a result of these issues. Because nobody right? not climb the fence. Nobody man the, the, the lawyer the other day. Nobody's climbing the fence. Nobody's speaking out. Nobody's if we hear the child next door being abused, we're not speaking. No, I'm not gonna talk, I'm afraid. I'm gonna know what they're gonna do me. And this and that and the other. Nobody is trying to say how can I be a part of the solution? And so I am committed to being a part of the solution, not just in my home, mm -hmm. not just with my kids. If I go to school and I see one of the classmates in my child's school suffering, and my daughter tell me about something, mommy, this little girl come to school without lunch, and so I give her my lunch money. All right, I'm saying, okay, you can't give away your lunch money every day, but at least I can investigate the situation and talk to the teacher and see how we can find a solution to it. And so that's basically the space that I'm in, and I focus on only aligning myself with people, opportunities, and things, whether it be business or not, that will create social change. Fantastic. You've used that sort of permission slip that you got from somebody else, from Yanla, mm -hmm. to give other people permission slips. And I like the idea of us climbing the fence for each other. So where I am, I may have a safe space. My grass <coughs> might be green. My Shih Tzu puppies are fed and fluffed. But I need to climb the fence for you to make sure mm -hmm. things are going well for you as, mm -hmm. as, as well. I, I want you to, to talk to me now about... <coughs> where you want to go next so we've seen the platform and the foundation that you you launched yourself from mm -hmm. what you're doing now to make sure that you paid forward and climb the fence for somebody else mm -hmm. but as you've built those pillars of courage and those examples of fearlessness going through life when you build a house what are you building it for 
your children are watching and observing this investment have they you know started playing a role at all in this new type of living and type of thinking mm -hmm. what is what is the the eulogy then that that you're working for when him talk about miss reed walk the earth and do this thing what's that eulogy that you're trying to earn okay so where i'm at now with that is not just being the voice but also having monuments that have changed me because i'm why i say monuments the mission of the breakthrough exodus conference now it's, so it's a global conference we started it in jamaica we'll be doing it in other countries um internationally for 2019. the mission is to build homes or centers of um centers of change is just a name that just come up in my head but these centers of change because right now in jamaica there's no facilities for women and children um i've had abused women and children reached out to me who are literally threatened for their life there is nowhere for them to go in jamaica the only home we have is for women alone if she has kids she has nowhere to go and so I want to commit to using the resources earned from this conference and get as much partners on board as possible to be able to build more of these homes around Jamaica um, and also in other countries where they are needed to be able to set up these facilities where women like us can come in, give up our time and our resources and we can hire other people to do the same thing. Um, the legacy that I want through my children now, I instill in them the power of, you know, positive speaking, being a leader, not a follower, and stuff like that. And even them, will, you will see them reaching out <clears throat> to help other children, right? To, to be that loving person, not to fight and to try and create the peace. Yes, they are children, so then we'll have them issues. But they're learning how to be human. As a legacy, I want to be able to, my business is committed to um, contributing from its profits to social entities that are creating change. I've also partnered with, um, just recently started partnering with the Social Development Commission and HEART and some of these institutions in Jamaica to start bringing solutions because one of the problems that causes this as well is not just the emotional scars that we have, it's also a lack of um, economic welfare and balance and expertise to help them so a lot of our young people have business ideas but they don't know how to get the resources they don't know that there are grants available from USAID or SDC or wherever and so my mission is to bridge that gap I believe that the way we're going to turn around Jamaica is by developing young people who are wealthy and create impact not just wealthy with money mm -hmm. and live behind the nice green friends with the shit soup puppies as I said earlier mm -hmm. But wealthy with doing what you and I are doing, creating an impact as well, right? For good, for um, for the better good. So that's what I want to do. I want to see. I also want to see how many how many entrepreneurs we can create because when you're an entrepreneur, you you have freedom. When you work for somebody, you don't have that much freedom. But you have freedom to dictate and create the life that you're designed to live. That you and I like to say, create it to live. Because I know God be each and every one of us with a specific. Um, mission plan in terms of what he wants us to do in the earth. So going forward, that's where I want to get. I want to start up enough centers that can facilitate um, a healing process, not just mentally and emotionally, but also physically and financially, so that more women are free to be able to lead a family 
that can create change. Because what we have is brokenness upon brokenness upon brokenness. So if what I can do to the next level is partner with enough people, we get enough homes built in Jamaica, we have enough um, entrepreneurial centers going. We have good things going already, but I think there needs to be more on a bigger level. And people need to know that it exists. Right, and that's yeah. what I'm committed to doing. Like, like so now, when I do speaking engagements, um, and I say to persons, okay, I'm available to assist you when they come, I said, okay, if they don't have the money, SDC can help you. So not because you don't have the money, meaning you can't hire me to do whatever, I mean you can't get help. But SDC can help you, heart can help you, this is what you can get done. Right? So being the voice that was saying, okay, this is where you can get change. You follow me on social media, here are some free resources that you can use until you can level yourself where you can be an expert to do whatever you need to do. So not just talking about it, but actually walking the talk and saying, okay, here Crystal, take this for your baby. This can help you to do whatever until whatever and then keep it moving. Well, one of the things I realized coming out for you is, is freedom. There's a lot of talk about freedom. Women having the freedom to um, even your break free event. Excellent. As we speak, and I don't know if you realize it, but when you talk, the word freedom comes up in almost every other sentence. So that, that for me seems to be the theme of your life and the work that you do. So I'm going to ask you, how would you define freedom? Okay. Wow, I never realized that it comes yeah. up. Yeah, she used the word I never realized. Breathe, be free, break free. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Too. So, so there is this idea, yeah. or at least a mental picture of mm -hmm. perhaps being stuck mm -hmm. and to get unstuck. But you have to go somewhere, right? Because if, if you're unstuck, you know, if you go, you're still free. Yeah, right? Because then the freedom doesn't make no sense. It doesn't make any sense. Right. So when, when you conceptualize being free, mm -hmm. When you see your children being free too, other mm -hmm. women hearing you and being inspired by you mm -hmm. to then be free too. Mm -hmm. how, how do you envision that freedom? What, is, what does that mean to All you? right, for me, freedom is having the opportunity mm -hmm. to pursue your dreams and allow your purpose to manifest, right? And I don't just talk about freedom like us escaping prison, but understanding that being um, incarcerated is not just leading to the physical prisons that we have, but it's also about the mental prisons that we have, which is something that I talk about with the Break Free Exodus Conference, that we're in the prison of fear, the prison of, prison of pain, the prison of, the prison of anger, right? And so for me, freedom means moving into a space where I understand that I have the opportunity to do life on my own terms. This don't mean say you're going to break the law. Or nobody going to ever help you. Right. It don't mean that you're going to go out of your way to go do things where you're going to be unruly and just break every rule that is there. But it means understanding. Because see, I come out of a society where I'm not free to travel as I like. Right? Um, my mother's mother was allowed to come help her with her, ch her first two children. Then the church brought in a law that you can't come and help your daughter or whatever anymore. Right? So, when I talk about freedom, I realize that a lot of us are dictated to and live by what society says we should live by. But we haven't taken the time to find out what was I designed and created to do and understanding that it's okay to dream, to want to be like crystal or maybe not crystal crystal per se right but understanding that my version of whoever i will be when i become somebody like rosanna or crystal or whoever i see that i want to emulate oprah or whatever my version of that it's okay because 
my circumstances may tell me that no, you can't do it. Who you think you me? Why you think you're better than me? Right? You might have friends around you who think that oh you think you can do all of that and you're not all that. You're not all that great. I'm browner than you and I'm prettier than you and you know colorism, all of these different things coming. So for me, freedom is the ability to understand and grasp the opportunity that I can be anything I want to be in the world. I can create any amount of change that I want to create, right? And not being just stuck because we become stuck based on our mindset. I've seen pastors, leaders, business owners who are stuck. They have power, but the power just ball up in them hand little so. They're not using it. Because they don't understand that, listen, whether you're a Christian or not Christian, Jesus Christ makes sure that all of our freedom, slavery done. We're still living in the slavery mentality, but we don't need to because the, the papers are there that we've been freed, but we don't understand. Because that's what happened to us, you know, our generation. When we come out of slavery, we weren't given anything. We get a piece of land, we're no good, right? And then we don't know how to farm it. We don't know how to have good relationships because we see massa meet with auntie, ripper mother, ripper wife. And we don't know how to move forward and work given any tools. So we had to figure it out for ourselves. And our figuring out figuring it out for ourselves was just picking in the grass mm-hmm. in fear. Cause even though Master let me go, I'm looking behind my back to see if him still coming. Right. So freedom is to understand that listen, you were created to be the unique special crystal rosa and whosoever that you are and it's okay to live life on your terms to dream big right i was taught dreaming big was stupidness because you're too ambitious based on the society that i lived in right um my parents gave us good work ethics and morals and principles which i'm glad for despite other facts that we had but other people in the church were the poorest in the church at the time one of the poorest families and other people in the church would tell me you're ambitious. I had the leader of the church tell me that you will have to get married to a poor man. Because you're poor, you're going down the rich man money. And he told me that and he told another young lady that I will never forget that day. But I'm saying that became, that can become the voice that I allow to dictate my life. So freedom is understanding that the only voice that needs to dictate your life is the God who created you. And then you're just moving to whatever he is calling you to do. Roseanne Reed, the dream monetizer. Before you leave us, Roseanne, mm-hmm. tell my listeners how they can find you, mm-hmm. where they can access some of your material, and how you can help them to move from pain to purpose. Okay, so they can find me at roseannereed.com. That's my website, okay? R-O-S-A-N-N-E. R-E-I-D, roseannereed.com. They can find the book from Pain to Purpose, The Exodus, in Kingston Bookshop, in Jamaica, all Kingston Bookshop stores. Also, it's on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle. All right, you can follow me on Instagram at the Dream Monetizer. That will lead you to our other handles with the Global Boss Radio Show and stuff like that. Um, if you want to contact me directly via phone, you can call 876-859-8813. All right. Um, oh, you also no. want to know how they must break free. How can help yeah, yeah. Too? How do you help them okay. in terms of the, the different um, products or services that are available mm. that they can get from Rosanne? Okay. So I do coaching, lifestyle coaching, like to help you because I was sick to help you with wellness coaching, how you can bring back your life into balance. 
All right, that's for health and wellness. And then I do business consultancy, which is the main area where we help you to start your business or if you have an existing business and you're stuck and need to get your business to the next level, we help you how to do that. So basically it's focusing on how you can generate sustainable income. All right, if you want to book me for speaking engagements, everything is all on the website. Just go to rosehandreed.com and you will see all of the other things that we do and what we have to offer. Get in contact with us. We can create unique custom-made packages for you, your organization, your institution, um, workshops for your church, retreats for your groups, your women's groups, whatever it is, just reach out to me at rosanry.com and we'll take care of you. Fantastic. The final word from Roseanne is going to be my fear killer question. Roseanne, how do you kill fear? Um, I kill fear by affirmations mm -hmm. daily and also by keeping a gratitude journal. Because the more that you realize the things that you have to be grateful for is the more you realize how rich you are. And when you realize how rich you are, gratitude-wise, then all the other riches and things that you need, resources will come into your life. So you're not so afraid that so you're not getting, you're not reaching, you're not going No, have. the fear might come up, but I don't let it stay. Right? Maybe I say, all right, I need a million dollars to do this move tomorrow, but right now I only have 500,000. Realizing that I'm wasting time by wallowing in the fact that I don't have the 500,000, I don't dwell on it, I dwell on how can I make 500,000 between the next five days if I need the money the next five days. And realizing that I lose creativity mm -hmm. if I allow fear to take control. So if the fear come, I squash it and I say, all right, next move. What's the solution? How can I find a way around this? Yes, it's an obstacle, but you know the book, the obstacle is away. Yes, it's an obstacle, but the, the way around this or the way over this or the way to demolish this is the answer. So that's it. Fantastic. Thank you very, very much, Roseanne Reed, the Dream Monetizer here with us on Good Gas Mondays. Thank you for listening. And it is my sincere hope that you have pulled some powerful nuggets, golden nuggets from her story that you can add to your own collection of lessons as you make your move through life. We all have a unique path to walk. Our stories will be different. The journey will have its own unique um, rocky roads and, and pathways and openings and potholes. But it's really for you to decide if the obstacle is going to be your way. If you're going to listen to the fear or listen to the purpose and be called into that higher space of living. Thank you so much again for listening. Tune in to another episode. We're going to continue these conversations. Powerful stories that we're using to connect you to your own power and your purpose. I'm Crystal Tomlinson. Until we meet again, continue to live life from a good guest perspective. Give good, live good, speak well. And you'll definitely be able to see the power of your own story manifested. Thank you so much again for tuning into this episode of Good Gas Mondays. Until we connect again, I'm Crystal Tomlinson reminding you to give thanks, give love, and live good. If you enjoyed Roseanne's episode, please go ahead and follow her online at The Dream Monetizer or visit her website at roseannereed.com. If you want to join our live studio audience on April 29 for the season finale of Good Gas Mondays, email me at killfearnow at gmail.com so we can add you to the list. Until next week, blessings. This episode of Good Gas Mondays was brought to you by Megamart, best value by far. If you're in Jamaica and looking to grab a copy of my book, then you can get it exclusively at Megamart, Megamart Waterloo, Portmore, Mandeville, or Montego Bay.